Welcome to a message of hope and good news for you. And today program uh, we are going to talk about the testimony of the testament. Hello my radio friends, it's good to be back with you again, thanks for tuning in. I hope all has been going well with you this last week. There's there's a saying I heard my father say a number of times, it was this, life isn't a garden of roses. Sometimes I think life is a garden of roses, as not only is there beauty and pleasantness in the garden, but there are plenty of thorns which pierce and scratch. Unfortunately, all of us are affected by bad things like health problems, relationship problems, financial problems and disappointments of various kinds. From my understanding of the Bible, God never intended that mankind should have to suffer. But because of our enemy, Satan, All these problems have come about as a result of sin in the world. But God intends to eradicate sin, including the originator of sin, and will make all things new for those who love and honour him. Then the things that cause us grief and stress now will be gone forever. This is the Christian's hope. Now to today's topic, the testimony of the testaments. I was playing table tennis one day and between strokes when conversation was possible, the man I was playing against said to me, I believe in Jesus Christ and the New Testament, but I don't believe all that Old Testament stuff. The idea that Peter, my opponent, expressed is fairly common among many Christians, many of whom regard the Old Testament as a collection of fictional stories, good for teaching moral values, but considered only myths and fables. In other words, these people are saying the Old Testament is of not much value and not much importance. The Bible, the Word of God, as you probably know, is used in court trials as the highest possible example of truth. So, is the Old Testament truth or not? The big question is, why do some Christians discard part of the book, the Bible, the book their faith is supposedly based on? Are they throwing the baby out with the bathwater? I find it quite remarkable that there are some people who are prepared to base their beliefs in the Bible, yet, at the same time, are also prepared to discredit the major part of the Bible because they don't agree with it. Are their beliefs being determined by what the Bible says, or are they just choosing certain parts to fit their preconceived notions? I think this attitude 
is probably based on two things. Firstly, I fear it is primarily because of ignorance, not really knowing what the Old Testament is about and of how it links together with the New Testament. The critics often seem to talk about, but don't know very much, about this part of God's Word. Secondly, I think they hold this deprecating attitude because they cannot reconcile the theory of evolution with the Bible account of how everything began. Apparently, because of the pressure and widespread popularity of the theory of evolution, these people are willing to toss out the Old Testament. But 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 tells us all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Did you get that? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means God gave us the Old Testament as well as the New. It is my opinion that the people who claim the Old Testament isn't truth have a very shallow level of understanding of what the Bible is all about. My colleague Peter claimed, however, that he did believe in Jesus and did believe what Jesus said. The Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, have most to say about Jesus when he was here on planet Earth. They recorded what he did, and what he said. So let us see what Jesus did say about the Old Testament. You probably realise there was no New Testament until after Jesus was crucified and resurrected. What Jesus referred to was only the Old Testament books. These he called the Scriptures. In John chapter 5 and verse 39, we read of some interaction between Jesus and some of the Jewish leaders. Jesus said to them, You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. Now here comes the punchline. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life and recorded in verse 36 of the same chapter, which is John 5, he added, If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. What Jesus was saying was that the Old Testament foretold about him, the Messiah, the Saviour, about his coming, about his mission, and so on. If my friend Peter believed in Jesus and in what Jesus said, he had a big problem, as his views were in contradiction to what he said he believed. Jesus clearly stated that the Old Testament had a lot to say about him. Was the Old Testament just proclaiming a myth when it told about Jesus? So, let's see what the Old Testament actually said about Jesus. We will only have time to look at a few statements as there are so many to choose from. Now we'll consider three aspects. The first one is what the Old Testament has to say about the gospel message. The second aspect is 
what the Old Testament has to say about Jesus the Messiah, and thirdly, what Jesus had to say about the Old Testament. First, the Old Testament tells how God intervenes to save us. Going right back to the time when Satan, in the disguise of a beautiful serpent, successfully tempted Eve to sin, God announced to him, And I will put enmity between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. God was saying that he would finally destroy Satan and his power. That's the crush your head bit, through the offspring of Eve. This text is best understood in that Jesus was the means of taking away the power of Satan and in gaining the victory over Satan. The devil would be ultimately destroyed, although Jesus himself would be hurt in the process. The New Testament confirms how Jesus paid the price through his death, for the sins of others, that he was crucified and died, but was resurrected and raised up to life again. Satan and evil would be eliminated through God's actions, through Jesus, our Redeemer. And then in Psalms, which of course is in the Old Testament, chapter 130 and verses 3 to 8, we're told, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you is forgiveness. Therefore, you are to be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, Put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel of all their sins. These texts tell us that forgiveness of sins was the initiative of God. That's what the gospel is all about. How God was proactive in opening up a way so that people would be saved from eternal death. In Isaiah chapter 53, we have a long and beautiful prophetic passage about the Messiah, Jesus, to come. It tells us about how he took our infirmities, was pierced for our transgressions, and crushed for our iniquities. It tells that he would die be buried in a grave, and so on, although he did nothing to deserve such treatment. (coughs) Pardon me. It's about the gospel, the good news of salvation. Remember this passage is in the Old Testament and was prophesied hundreds of years before the actual event took place. Maybe my colleague Peter was not aware of these passages when he said he didn't believe in all that Old Testament stuff
You are listening to Give Me the Bible with uh, Uncle Len, and we just uh, have a beautiful song with um, uh, Heritage Country, and that was uh, called I'll Fly Away. This is uh, Nick Rita, and uh, I have Uncle Len here to continue the second part of this program. Yes, back again, listeners. We have just heard how the Old Testament told all about the gospel message, salvation for lost human beings. Now for the second thing, which is about what the Old Testament had to say about Jesus himself. You know, there are so many references in the Old Testament about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It's hard to know which ones to pick. For example... In the book of Micah, chapter 5 and verse 2, it tells of his birthplace, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. In Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, it tells that his mother, that's Mary, was a virgin. In Genesis 49 and verse 10, it tells of his family line. He came from the tribe of Judah. In Hosea 11, verse 1, it tells that he went away to Egypt. In Daniel 9, verse 25, it tells of the time when the Messiah would begin his work. In Zechariah eleven twelve, it tells how much money he was betrayed for, which, as you probably know, was 30 pieces of silver. In Zechariah 11, verse 13, it tells what happened to the money. It bought a potter's field. In Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 6, it tells how he was treated by his captors. He was spit upon. Zechariah tells what happened when he was arrested. The disciples, as you probably know, fled. In Isaiah 53, 9, it tells of his grave, that it belonged to a rich man. That was uh, Joseph. In Psalm 34.20, it tells of an unusual event regarding his crucifixion. None of his, none of his bones were broken. In Psalm 22.18, it tells what happened to his clothing. Lots, or dice, were cast for it. In Isaiah 53, it tells of what happened to check if he was dead. And he was pierced with a spear. You know, there are dozens of statements and prophecies in the Old Testament that tell about Jesus, and I've just mentioned approximately 12 of them to you. How then could anyone intelligently say that he could not believe in the Old Testament when it has so much to say about Jesus? My colleague Peter had an opinion that I'm not able to respect, and I certainly don't agree with it. I believe Peter was really quite ignorant about the Old Testament. And as you've just heard, the Old Testament is packed with statements about Jesus, and each of those statements was fulfilled to the minutest detail. There are many statements in the New Testament referring to certain events which had been prophesied in the Old Testament. 
in practically each case, the statements go something like this, that the scriptures were fulfilled, or that the scriptures might be fulfilled. If someone like my colleague Peter was prepared to read the New Testament to see what it really says, he would notice these many references to the Old Testament. Not a single New Testament statement contradicts in any way what the Old Testament says. In other words, the two Testaments are in harmony, in agreement with each other. The New Testament builds on the Old Testament, and the two make up the whole Bible. To illustrate, I'll give you a couple of examples. Matthew 2 verse 15 says, And so was fulfilled what the Lord said through the prophet Hosea, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Matthew 2 and verse 23 says, And he, that's Jesus, went and lived in a town called Nazareth, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, He will be called a Nazarene. Now you probably know if you've um, read your Bible that Jesus was often called Jesus of Nazareth. And you also may remember how that Mary and Joseph went for a period of about two years or so to live in Egypt and came back to what we now call Israel from there. At the time when Jesus was betrayed and arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Thursday night prior to his crucifixion, a mob of people came with the idea of capturing Jesus and taking, taking him away to be tried by a kangaroo court. Jesus spoke to them and said, But how then would be the scriptures fulfilled, except they say it must happen this way? The scriptures foretold what would happen on that particular evening. Jesus never orchestrated his own arrest but the Old Testament had foretold what would happen. Now these are just two examples of many statements in the New Testament which point out the authenticity and veracity of the Old Testament. You don't need to be a Bible scholar to see that the New Testament supports the Old Testament. In that case, we would do well to value each equally. But... There is yet another aspect which needs to be considered as well. And this is what Jesus actually said. You may remember that my colleague Peter believed in Jesus and what he said. So let's see a couple of statements about what Jesus said. There are many other references regarding the Old Testament from the writings of the Apostle Paul and other New Testament writers but we will only use statements made by Jesus. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 6, Jesus, referring to Moses, said, But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Jesus obviously believed in creation and the Old Testament character called Moses. And then in Matthew 24 verses 37 to 39, he said, As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, 
people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Obviously, Jesus believed in the worldwide flood, often called Noah's flood, and he spoke about Noah. Nowhere, nowhere did Jesus say that the flood was just a myth. He spoke about it as a fact. Nowhere did he say that creation was not real. To him, there was no controversy about creation or evolution. Creation was a fact, no question. There are dozens of references in the New Testament which speak about creation, Noah's flood, Adam, Eve, Moses, Abraham, and Old Testament characters and events. And it is very important to note that nowhere in the New Testament is there correction saying that the Old Testament was wrong. How could it be wrong? Because it, like the New Testament, is the Word of God. The Old and the New were inspired by God himself. No, Peter, my colleague, your mouth uttered words out of sheer ignorance. Probably you were repeating what some ill-informed minister said, and he too was wrong. You would have been better advised to have checked for yourself, and then you would not have made such an ill-informed statement. And that's what I want you to be aware of, listeners. Don't believe anything just because somebody says it. That goes for what I say too. You need to check your Bible to see whether I am telling the truth or not. To finish this session today, I want to tell you a story. There was once a minister where in his congregation there was a faithful old lady who attended church each week for many years. This lady looked up to the minister and believed everything he said. During the course of his sermons, the minister sometimes made comments about some of the books of the Bible, such as the book of Revelation. Ah, that's full of symbols, and it's just too hard to understand. You might as well get rid of it, he said. On another occasion, he said, Ah, the stories in Genesis are just myths. You might as well get rid of Genesis. And he then on another occasion said, The book of Ezekiel, that's too hard to understand. You should get rid of that too. And so, through the years, from time to time, the minister made remarks about various books of the Bible. One day, the old lady came to church and handed the minister a cover of a book. On the outside was written in gold letters, H-O-L-Y, Holy, B-I-B-L-E, Bible. What's this? the minister asked. The lady replied, You said we should get rid of certain books in the Bible, so I tore them out as you suggested, and this is what is left. What do I do now? The minister was horrified at what he had said. He had condemned every book in the Bible. 
My colleague Peter had condemned the whole of the Old Testament. I wonder if he thought he was smarter than God. No one has the right to pick and choose what they want to believe from God's holy word. It's all or nothing. If you don't like what it says, that doesn't mean it's wrong. It probably means you are wrong. God's word is like a foundation upon which we can build our lives. It is truth and offers stability in an unstable world. It is something you can trust. So, that's it for another week, my friends. In the meantime, I wish you hope, blessings and peace. Hey, hey, hey.